You can still hear me? You hear me? Yeah, I hear you. This is really strange. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Penalty Loop Podcast, a podcast about biathlon by Jordan Gottschalk from Penalty Loop and RJ Weiss from Biathlon Analytics. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. <laughs> yeah, we might as well keep that first piece in. We're uh, we're laughing because we've been <laughs> probably spending the last half hour trying to figure out. Yeah, just go for it. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just start it here. Hey, how you doing, man? Yeah, I'm doing good. How are you? Uh, we are. Yeah, we're 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 doing just fine. We uh, yeah. uh, other than some technical difficulties. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, hey, but we had a, a fantastic interview. Um, I know we say this every single time and it probably wouldn't be a very good start if we said, yeah, this interview was so-so, but um, I really had a great time chatting with our uh, Belgian guest. Hello, Deli. And so I hope you'll uh, enjoy our conversation. Yodeli. Through the eyes of. Hey, how are you guys doing? Very good. So, uh, wonderful. So, um, uh, as you guys know, just from listening to our, uh, our intro there, uh, today we are, are joined by, uh, Lotte Lee for, uh, for an interview. She's going to, uh, let us in behind the scenes of, of her life as a, as a biathlete. I think, uh, Arjun and I are really excited about this one. Yeah. And before we do our, uh, uh, request for an introduction, uh, I have a question to ask you first. Spreekt jij een beetje Belgisch? Ja, ik spreek Vlaams. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I just wanted to throw it in as a as a trick question, but uh, so so um, yeah. Would you mind introducing yourself, and then uh, maybe after that we'll we'll chat a little bit about your 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 double nationality and and how that all happened and stuff. So. Yeah, uh, yeah. My name is uh, Lotte Lee. Um, and I'm a Belgian athlete. I was um, born in Norway because my father lives here or is from Norway. Uh, and my mom moved to Norway uh, for work. And then she met my dad and uh, yeah, she stayed there. Uh, so she's from Belgium and I have um, the rest of her family is still in Belgium. So uh, I have... Um, yeah, both families, Norway and Belgium. Um, now I'm living in uh, Lillehammer, where I am um, a part of the private team, uh, Team Maxim, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, based in Lillehammer, where we are around 15 athletes from uh, yeah, juniors and uh, until up to my age, which is uh, where we yeah train together several times in the week and uh, it's a good uh, matching uh, and it, so and, is yeah. that a, a private team or like a, a company yeah, based private team okay yeah and, and, and all let's say we know from uh from speaking with her earlier but uh Uklek is is a member of your team as well correct yeah that's correct mm. and, it, and it's all by athletes on the on the on your team yeah it's uh only by athletes it's um, okay 
Yeah, it's quite normal in Norway. You have uh, a lot of private teams, but they are not mixed with cross country and biathletes. It's uh, only for biathletes or only cross country skiers normally. Okay. And is then so within Norway, do private teams compete against each other or? Uh, what can I say? It's like when you are at the um, uh, result list, you have your. Um, your club and then also the name of the team behind so you know which team you're representing but uh, other than that we are we're also we can also train together or do like uh, mm-hmm. intern competitions together so it's not like a big challenge it's most to that we have so many private teams so that everyone can have a team to train with and uh, right. be a part of a team because it's uh, so many biathletes in Norway. Right, right. And are is your your suit covered in like uh, sponsor sponsor names and that kind of thing, or is it not that bad? Yeah, we have some sponsors. That's why it's called Team Maxim because that's uh, sport nutrition. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's the the main sponsor. Yeah. Okay. And uh, can you tell us a little bit how you got into biathlon and uh, and basically your trajectory from you know just starting to where you ended up now? Um, yeah, well, I was uh, I had moved uh, to another village, can I say, in Norway, and uh, just wanted to get into sports. And then we saw an article in the newspaper about uh, biathlon school. Uh, so then I said, yeah, I want to try. And um, yeah, I still haven't stopped. Uh, so it was uh, <laughs> it was very fun. And I um, found something that uh, was challenging, but also I could uh, uh, master with uh, confidence after a time. And um, yeah, then I, the time was to decide for school. And then it was uh, obvious for me that I wanted to do sports school with uh, for biathlon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after, but it was still like I had goals, but mostly it was because I thought it was so fun. And but with the age, uh, my goals grew bigger and bigger, and I achieved better and better results. So, um, uh, but also the main goal today is that I still want to have fun, and uh, but also I want to to achieve good results and see how far I can can get right, with right. that motivation. Kind of goes together a little bit too, right? <laughs> Good mm-hmm. results is more fun than uh, when it's not yeah. <laughs> going according to plan. And and did you cross country ski before that? I uh, assuming that no, growing up, I in, did no, not. no, it was uh, yeah, none of my family did it, so it was just okay. started when uh, when we started with biathlon and uh, also started on cross country. About how old were you when you started? Uh, I think around 11, so as early as I could yeah. start in Norway. Yeah. Okay. And is that is that pretty, like a biathlon school, is that pretty common to have? Like does every town or village pretty much have one? Or Yeah, uh, every club needs to have one. Or if you want to start with biathlon, you have to, to do a biathlon school. It's like... Uh, four or five evenings uh, when you teach uh, how to shoot and um, mm. 
and safety rules, uh, etc. And then after the school, you can choose if it's fun. Then you start in the club and do the the normal trainings. But you need to have like the uh, diploma for a biathlon school to to show that you actually can do biathlon. Just curious. So here in Canada, you also have to have a gun license to be able to, you know, take your rifle home and that kind of thing. How does that work in Norway? Uh, yes, that's true. But um, if I remember correctly, we can't get it until we're 16. Okay. Uh, so until then, um, or 18, 16, I think, uh, always parents will take care of the gun when you come home or... Um, yeah, I remember my, my dad had to buy the gun for me in mm-hmm. his name and stuff like that. And when I was, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's 16 or 18, but then I got it in my name and um, and then I could, uh, yeah, yeah, 16 it had to be because I couldn't carry it before. But I remember when I moved to sports school, it was an issue for some weeks, but then, right. uh, yeah, it was fine. And, and do you have to have like a... A specific gun license like do you have to do an exam to 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 be allowed no. to have one or no no it's just uh yeah just apply for it and say why okay. that it's a biathlon uh, rifle and then it's uh oh. really fine huh that's a bit different well i was gonna say i think uh biathlon is is a little more popular in, in norway so yeah, maybe yeah. it's just a, a, a more common thing you know I think if, if I went down and if I went down in Florida and I said, Hey, I need a biathlon rifle, I think that well, it's the United States, so I could get my gun regardless, but I think they might be like, What the heck is biathlon? Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> well and then yeah, yeah, depending on who you talk <laughs> depending on who you talk to, they'll be like a twenty two, that's not a real rifle. <laughs> you no, know, you're not kidding. <laughs> so do you um do you still have like your current rifle? Is that still the same one you started with or did you make many changes yeah, or it's, it's still it's uh or I have changed my, my stock hmm. for some years oh. ago and uh, but uh, the mechanism is um uh, is the old one so I'm actually now um, looking to buy for a new one because it's uh yeah, it's starting to be old enough, but I've changed the barrel once, but it needs to be uh-huh. done again. So I will change the whole system this time. And we- well, you better be careful with it. You're you're such a good shooter. You don't want to mess anything up. You, you know, this one's done so well for you. <laughs> so, but I hope because I always had like my mechanism is the, one of the heavy ones. So mm. I always carried a little bit more weight than I would like to. So it's, uh, I think it will be nice to, uh, to have the, the modern stuff. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, and that's Anschutz, I'm assuming that you're yeah. using. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even yeah. know that, uh, the newer ones are lighter than the, the original it's ones. It's just, but... uh, not much lighter, but I have like, you can have the, um, uh, the sprint barrel, but I have the, what can I say? The normal one. So, oh, okay. Uh, bit uh, heavier and uh, I think it's yeah, the comfort one choose, right I think, but yeah yeah maybe yeah so it's is that, uh, just uh, is that common that uh, you'll that uh, people will keep their same rifle from the entire time from when they're coming up all the way through and this this deep into their careers I don't know actually I think it okay. depends because uh, when some start with biathlon they uh, they buy a used rifle because you don't know how long you will be doing it and 
and then it's cheaper. Um, but I think uh, mostly the athletes, uh, at least uh, the elite athletes, they change it uh, before. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because then you get help with, uh, you have a gun maker or two that looks over the equipment. And when you're at um, the national team, I think it's easier to to get help with those kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's still, yeah, yeah, it's not say- like you can go into a, a shop and, and have many options, Jordan. Like most rifles are still um, pretty much the same as 20 years ago. So when, when we talk rifle, it's mostly the barrel and the action and the bolt and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And uh, what Lotta was alluded to with the stock, that's basically the, well, for most people, the wooden part. Uh, so the piece that you have in your shoulder and uh, hold your hand, holding your hands. I'm guessing you have have. Um, do you still have a wooden stock, or is that uh, like a mixture of? Yeah, I have a wooden stock. So okay. I, yeah, no, it's uh, wood. Uh, I remember when I was, I think, it was my last year as a, a junior. I'd saved money to to go to um, I was gonna say a stock maker in Norway, mm. a very famous one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I had to order a long time before because it was a long waiting list and then I had to drive uh, six hours down to, <laughs> to visit and then I was the whole day there and he was measuring and uh, yeah trying to make a little bit and then he would finish it uh, I think I got it a half year later and that, oh, was, wow. uh, so- that was a big step for me but then it was like a stock special for me yeah and so how old were you when you got that? Early twenties, I think. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, it was good. I for some reason thought you got it earlier, and I wondered if, because I would assume if you make an expense like that, you do it when you kind of stop growing and. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So fascinating the the rifle itself, even though the technology hasn't changed for so long, there's still so many things you can change and i think now it's pretty popular to heighten the the optics and the the front sight i think it seems pretty common now yeah absolutely yeah Mm, yeah i also done it the uh, last year i also made it a little bit higher and Mm. i tried to yeah, to work on the details with on my rifle to um, make it lighter, and I replaced some parts with uh, carbon okay. and stuff like that. So it's like uh, it never stops. It's always yeah, something yeah. new or it's something uh, <laughs> else you can do. And yeah, right, it's, right. Uh, <laughs> it's fascinating. And did you did you paint your stock, or is it? Uh, just wood or no i haven't because i i really like the woods but uh, mm. i'm starting more and more to think about that i want to, <laughs> to paint it but i want to make uh, or do something unique and i'm still thinking about what is uh, not used or i want to mm-hmm. make something with the belgian colors uh, yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's <laughs> exactly what i was going to ask is do you, ha- do you have an idea of what you want to do when you paint it but yeah, I think the the Belgian colors would be cool. Yeah, it is. Um, we'll see if it ends up just being the flag, or if I can do something uh, more special. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it's a great bridge to my next question. Um, when did you decide to um, 
basically use your Belgian nat- nationality for uh, participating. I uh, remember reading on your website that. Um, oh, now I lost my train of thought. There, there was something on your website about that, but um, yeah, was it after uh, juniors? Yeah, yeah, it's um, or I am. Ah, yeah, the first thought about it was when I was in the in my first uh, youth championship, because then I uh-huh. uh, I saw uh, someone with a Belgium jacket. I was like, what? In <laughs> Didn't know about that and. Uh, I remember I talked about uh, no I talked with them and uh, like oh it's actually something that exists in in Belgium they uh, so then yeah I always knew I had it in uh, in my head kind of mm-hmm. uh, and with the years I also got to to know them more and more or and got in contact with uh, uh, with the president uh, of the Belgian uh-huh. Federation, and then, um, uh, yeah, then I was still in the Norwegian theme, so I was like, yeah, I. But right now, I know I have. <laughs> uh, I'm in a very good team, so I don't want to change now. But um, so it was always a, a nice thought, and it, I thought some point it would be very interesting to do that and. Uh, when I didn't have a space longer in the Norwegian team, it was very clear to me what what I wanted and uh, what was the next step for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember now what I read on your on your website is that they had been approaching you for, I think, a couple of years. It said, yeah, or, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And is so. Um, did you feel you still had a chance to be on the Norwegian team if you would have stayed? under the Norwegian flag or did you feel like there were too many others coming up or did it just, was it just an easier way to, to be able to focus on, on doing biathlon rather than worry about, you know, your placement on the team, et cetera? Yeah, it was, um, mixed. Uh, I was thinking, um, yeah, cause I, when I lost the spot, I wasn't like, I didn't see it coming the whole way, so I was okay, uh, disappointed, and then I started, okay, now I really need to think what I want, <laughs> I want mm-hmm. to do in my life, I want to um, uh, mostly live a, a good life, and then I had this in my mind, and I started, I wrote, I just wrote a list, plus and minus for both sides, and uh, at the end, there was uh, no doubt uh, that I was, uh, if I want, yeah, my goal is to, to live off biathlon also and mm-hmm. have fun. And um, when I spoke to Belgium, they could offer my offer me what I wanted. So um, uh-huh. it was quite, quite an easy choice. And I want to, yeah, it's also cool, cool that I can do it because not, there's mm-hmm. not so many athletes with a double passport and uh, uh-huh. when I, really have this unique uh, opportunity i was just uh, then it was the time to take it so yeah <laughs> you, you might have said this a little bit earlier but how old were you exactly when you made that decision it's about four years ago i think yeah yeah so then i was uh, 20 23 yeah and so and uh go ahead 
No, no, please. Oh, no, I was just wondering how that worked between, I'm, I'm assuming the budget and the uh, facilities in Belgium are, um, let's just say just a little less than Norway. Um, yeah. How did it work between, like, did the Belgian Federation and the Norwegian Federation, were they involved? And, and you know, were there some agreements on that you c- could keep training in Norway, that kind of thing? or? Uh, no, because at um, that time I had already um, applied for a private team in Norway, and um, so I um, uh, spoke early with the coaches there and said uh, what I was thinking of doing, and got some advice, and and then I was, yeah, I thought, oh, maybe I'm gonna lose the place spot on the team, and but they said, no, no, no worries, we we will help you, so. Uh, uh, so then I quickly knew that it would be no problem. I could do just exactly the same that I had been doing and mm-hmm. I could still be in Lillehammer and have, uh, then I yeah, was one of the, the best private teams in Norway. So I had very good uh, company and mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, so, so basically they, uh, I didn't have any other contact with the Norwegian Federation, then they helped uh, to write a letter that when I uh, right. searched to, uh, for um, to change nationality and the rest I had help with the private team. So they took care of me. Oh, that's cool. And so at the World, World Cup, do they like how, how um, like your waxing team and, and those are all Belgian um, yeah. people? Okay. Mm. Then Let's it's go. so uh, when I come to the uh, yeah, competition season, then where it's uh, the Belgium team is responsibility is responsible, and um, but also now we have a new coach this year, so we have already have a good good contact together with uh, the coaches on my private team and uh, mm-hmm. the Belgian coach. Nice. Uh, so they really try to cooperate. We had uh, <clears throat> a training camp in Belgium this uh, okay. summer and. Uh, mm-hmm. And when we went to the um, Summer World Championships, well, uh, the coach from my team also joined Belgium. And uh, so it goes both sides. And that's nice. really also helpful. And we also have um, one other Belgian athlete in the private team now. He moved to Norway as well to, oh, okay. uh, to join. So it's uh, it's starting to grow as a big corporation. I think that's a good benefit for, for both of us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is that... Is that um... Is that the Claude brother? Uh, no, it's oh. uh, a junior, Cesar Bouvet. Okay. So, uh, Very cool. He's yeah. uh, first uh, year senior now. Okay. Mm. Excellent. That's nice. Yeah. Somebody else for us to, to keep a special eye on. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and so um, do, you, do you do any other sports outside of biathlon? Not anymore. No. <laughs> uh, I, had to, uh, I had to stop or like it was time to yeah. to go all in for biathlon. But I, um, yeah, when I was young, I football and uh, swimming mm-hmm. and volleyball was the main uh, sports. And I played football until um, I was, around, I think, 17 or 18 years old. Okay. So I, I tried to do it as long as I could, but uh, then it yeah, was absolutely. most like a hobby. And at that point, you have to give a little bit more of yourself to be a part of the team there as well. So, uh, yeah. 
You never kick a ball to. around in the parking lot with a couple of teammates That's or something? or Exactly what I was going to ask. I'll be <laughs> honest. <laughs> yeah, we um, we do love to play football when we have like um, yeah. some sessions where we can do warm-up together or right. uh, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that. And it's always, okay, we have to do football. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Try not to get injured because that's always a main risk by doing it. So, right, but, right. Uh, of course. Yeah, but when we're all uh, biathletes together, it's no uh, normally goes well because we are uh, everyone is not so good at the tactics and stuff like that. Right, so. right. What uh, I did Norway qualify for the World Cup for football this upcoming uh, winter? I don't think so. Hey? I don't know. They didn't. So rude. Oh, it doesn't matter. She's she's going to be cheering for Belgium. Right. Yeah. So. It, uh, football, it's uh, better to uh, to follow the Belgian team. There's <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> some good football to watch. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What is the, I can't remember right now. What is the 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 nickname? What is the for the Belgium team? The Red Devils. Red Devils. Yeah. Yes, the Red Devils. I knew. I knew it was a, a terrific name. <laughs> is that uh, is that mostly in in uh, Flemish or do they do they call them whatever the the, the Devils Rouge or I don't know in French because no. uh, all my family speak Flemish, so then I know it's uh, <laughs> uh, the Red Devils. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. Red <laughs> And and uh, all right, no hostility feelings uh, towards Dutch people. Uh, what do you mean? Well, uh, I I I'm from Holland originally, and uh, ah, are you? And I oh, okay, I, like that. I know that Dutch people. <laughs> In general, they always like people from Belgium, but they're also uh, often using Belgians as a topic of jokes. So I was just curious to hear how how Belgians feel about Dutch people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it goes both ways. Yeah, oh, for sure. that's good. that's good. I had no idea there was this rivalry there. Yeah, because yeah. I don't know, like long, long, like hundreds of years ago i think there was a combined nation of belgium and holland can be i'm not yeah. so good at the no I, I i should part, know but i don't recall but yeah there's one yeah i'm sure i'm sure they were right because there they were all these little little tiny micro countries but yeah <laughs> for sure it's always uh yeah, I think that's cool. like uh, every country or neighbor countries. I know we have jokes here for the Swedish people, and I guess they have a lot for the Norwegian people. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, this is what I was going to ask: is that now, um, now that you're 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 firmly in the in the Belgian squad, um, when you are racing, do you when you see a, a Norwegian woman out there, do you have like extra motivation to try to beat them because it's sort sort of a a little personal rivalry with them? Uh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's always cool to, uh, to beat uh, Norwegians, that's true. But also at the same time, I I really want them to do do well because some of them mm-hmm. are um, former teammates of me mm-hmm. and uh, good friends. Yeah. And, uh, so then it's very also very nice to to have them there and actually do uh, go side by side. So yeah. You know, me and Karolina Knotten, we are uh, same age and we've been fighting since we were um, 15 years old. Uh, and we were sharing the um, 
yeah, the national medals between us. So it was like once I took it and the next time she took it. So it's mm-hmm. very cool to, uh, to now be together in the World Cup and we still have uh, our intern fights. <laughs> nice. So it's, it's really funny you mentioned her because I was going to bring her up as well. Do you know how the, uh, the final standings were in the World Cup? Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyone who doesn't know, uh, Lotte finished in 28th and Caroline finished in 29th. So you got her by, by one spot. You got her. <laughs> yeah. And I think at, at the, in the last start, I took it. Yes. So, uh... Yep. That's yeah. You, you just jumped over her on that and that, in that last race. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's nice to have, we'll see what happens this season though. <laughs> Yeah. So actually, I'm gonna. I, I wrote myself a note here. I'm gonna keep a. Uh, I'm gonna keep a, a keep track of this, and we'll uh, we'll keep everybody updated. The uh, the internal battle. <laughs> That's awesome. Because <laughs> I think she's now one of the main members of the women's team. I'm not. It seems like nobody seems yeah. to know really what's happening with uh, Roisland and Eckhoff this year. But I, from what I've seen on on social media, it seems like um, Carolina and. Um, Dan Revolt and Ida Lean, I think they're all kind of the main, the core of the team. Yeah, so uh, that's true. So I had, um, I trained some sessions with Carolina this summer mm. and uh, she looks very strong. So it's going to be cool to watch how it is compared to the, the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it must be so hard not really knowing where everybody is at. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and did you do the? I I know you did the uh, summer world championships, but did you do the Blink festival as well? Uh, I did not. I did uh, Norwegian championship in okay. um, mm-hmm. of September. Yeah. Was the world championship in Rupolding? Did that go according to to plan, or how did that fit in your schedule? Yeah. Yes and no. <laughs> I knew I didn't um, train to be in, in shape, so I, I knew I wouldn't have a, a peak, but uh, I thought I hoped that I maybe would have a little bit more energy to, to go with. Uh, so I was a little bit too tired to, to achieve the results I hoped for, but it was uh, uh, otherwise, a good experience to learn and see the others during the summer because it was my first uh, summer world championship. So uh, uh, I have a lot of things to to have in mind for next year, and uh, and of course, it was super fun to to do a race and and have the crowd back. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I yeah, not thinking so much about for the results and just the whole package and yeah, mm-hmm. we were together one week, the Belgium team and uh, yeah, first week with the new coach. So it was good for the team building as well. How do you, do you feel summer biathlon is going to be bigger in the upcoming years? Like, do you think it's going to grow in the sense of IBU spending more effort on it or? Yeah, because uh, now they had this uh, yeah, summer tour, so mm-hmm. uh, maybe they are trying to make it bigger and then it's uh, uh, maybe up to the teams if they want to, to prioritize it. Because mm-hmm. uh, uh, it was both ways this, uh, this year, I think. Um, but it's also because they were very short time between the competitions right. uh, and it's also a big 
training month normally so um, I hope they can find a good solution that it's uh, a good um, what can I say um, maybe for a longer months, longer duration, and uh, but for sure, I think summer biathlon is uh, can be bigger and bigger, and now with the, the winters, yeah, we'll see. Uh, but if uh, for sure, if I view do something, they do it hundred percent, and if they put more money in it, I think, uh, and it's more easier for the spectators to yeah, to watch for sure. more uh, app friendly. So if they put it on the right places, it can be. Uh, be very big yeah do you do you like roller skiing and summer biathlon or uh <laughs> sometimes <laughs> it's, uh, i prefer ski yeah i have to say so but uh, it's also i like more the um, the show races during the summer like the blink festival it's mm-hmm. uh, to get that pressure it's that kind of, i think it's uh, it's very good but uh yeah, it depends. Uh, if I sometimes if I <laughs> fall on the roller ski, then I don't feel as uh, I know as safe anymore, and then it, you have to grow the confidence back, and then it's nice again. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I feel it now that I've been skiing on on the snow again. That uh, yeah, this is why I'm doing it. It's uh, something else to uh, to have the long skis on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is is um the tunnel? Is that right now the only option to ski on snow or is northern norway or sweden already having snow do you know uh now this is the only option they are um starting to put on snow i have seen in idre in sweden they are i think the opening is um next week and there's also one place in norway that's are also trying to open next week but that's the snow they have been saving from last year right um so we will see um because it's also now with um yeah the electricity is getting more expensive yeah. so i think there's a lot of people who are um clubs they don't know if they really can uh, make that much snow but they have made uh, good deals with uh, uh, the power operator mm-hmm. so i think uh, they can manage <laughs> yeah yeah, the Canmore does the same thing. They they cover snow from last year with sand dust, I think, and then uh, they're just starting to put it out. Apparently, on Monday, I have uh, I do biathlon on Monday evenings, and we're supposed to bring our skis. So we'll Whoa, see. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so and because um, I know or well, the close to Oslo, there is a a ski tunnel as well. Is there more in in Norway, or is it? Uh, no, that's uh, the only one. Okay. Yeah. And mm. have you been there? Have you tried it or? No, I have not okay. actually. <laughs> it's quite new, maybe two or three years old. But um, yeah, no, I went now to Torsby. It's uh, not so much longer than if I have to go to Oslo. And here they have uh, shooting. Oh, okay. Uh, you can shoot uh, also inside the tunnel, and yeah, they have a shooting range outside and roller ski track. And, nice. Uh, uh, better conditions if you uh, stay here for not only skiing on snow. And so, do you are you, is this the phase where you kind of switch back and forth, like you go on the snow, but then you do some work on the roller skis again? And 
Yeah, a little bit, uh, and also because this year I have changed um, ski brands, so I also use some mm. to to get used to the new skis mm-hmm. and uh, uh, yeah, and try the race skis, get a feeling. <laughs> Who are you with now? Now with Matsis. Okay. Mm. Uh, why the switch, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, no, no, because. Uh, uh, after the season, I had the possibility to try uh, all the brands, mm-hmm. uh, and I was curious because uh, I never had that opportunity before. Uh, and I've seen some of my technique on with the salmon that maybe didn't fit me so good, uh, mm-hmm. and I did uh, quite a big job with testing this spring and. Um, and then I ended up with uh, that Matsus was the best choice for me. Uh, and also they have the fabric is, um, yeah, 30 minutes from Lillehammer and I have a good color. Oh, so, yeah. um, uh, and I also been with them before, uh, okay. so <laughs> I actually switched back, uh, and so far so good. So it was Excellent. very interesting to see how the technique was changing or the feeling huh. uh, from all each brand. Yeah. So, uh, and uh, yeah, I did intervals so I could see the time. Mm-hmm. It matched with the feeling. And uh, so, did you literally there. have a, a pair of like every major brand? Yeah, I had several uh, skis from each brand. Okay, and do they do wow. they provide those, or do you buy those, or how does that work? No, then I, I borrow them for. Uh, um, yeah, I say that I am curious about the brand, and I maybe want to switch, and then they. They lean it out so you can try and because uh, okay. yeah, the, every brand wants that you start on their brand, so and then quite, there was no problem with that. And then, if you don't mind me asking, like, um, do they just provide you like now that you've selected uh, Machus, do they just provide you with skis for the whole season or? Yeah, they okay. do and. Uh, and with good service, so they are going to help me at the World Cups and help with testing and okay. to see if the, if the skis are good enough or if I need to change my skis. And uh, yeah, so they've been quite helpful so far. Because is that, um, a, sorry, Jordan, um, no, I was no, just curious fine. about, because I know Machus was really big sort of in the past and then it seemed like they were fading out a little bit and it seems like now they're coming back again. Is that is that correct or? Yeah, because uh, that's the issue why I had to change. Because I, yeah, I didn't find any good skis anymore. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, I know they have uh, changed how they work and have uh, uh, hired some more people and um, really, yeah. Now they have found a good structure again. I think so. Nice. Uh, yeah. For me, at least, uh, it seems like they're able to produce a lot more of good skis. Ah, good for you. So you mentioned that they will help you out during the during the season. So is that like on a Monday or Tuesday, you know, of the of a race week, they'll you'll see them out there, or how does that work? Uh, yeah, I think I can just ask or. Like on the World Cups, they are traveling with us, so they mm-hmm. are going to be there. The the whole week and then mm-hmm. you can um, yeah then we can uh, meet and see what's needed or they are gonna test we can test together or they test with uh, my waxers and uh, mm-hmm. 
ja, one call away, what you can say. So. <laughs> Hmm. That also makes me think of, uh, we'll get into that a little later, but uh, we usually talk about the biathlon family. And I can only imagine that between yeah. all the waxers and all those representatives from different ski teams and, or not ski teams, but uh, ski companies, they must be knowing each other quite well. Yeah, yeah. for sure. The, <laughs> I think so. And I know, yeah, like the two waxers we have with us from, from Belgium, they are actually French. Okay. Uh, so they know cool. the, and we have also a cooperation with the, the French, uh, uh, the French waxing. Uh, so um, they work together, and they are also very good friends. So and you mm. see all together when uh, all the teams are testing, they know everyone knows each other. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it looks quite fun. <laughs> well, so and, and we've heard from other people we've interviewed that the French wax techs, these are the guys to know because they've got the fondue pot in the truck. And uh, if there's if, if there's a party, they're, they're the ones who are getting it going. So yeah, it's good you got that connection. Yeah, for sure. So it looks uh, looks like they're having a good time. Because <laughs> do your wax, uh, does your wax team have, do they have their own truck as well or? They don't have a truck, but no. uh, at every venue you can... Um, hire a cabin so okay. that's what mm. the other teams do who don't right. have the truck mm -hmm. we have uh, one wax cabin for the waxers and then we have one to for athletes to change and have our stuff in okay um do you want to do a couple of uh, standard questions jordan or Oh, uh, do you mind if we, I have got oh, a lot yeah, of questions yeah, about, ahead, for, for, about, about, uh, you know, some, some other things going on. So, um, I, I have to be honest, you were one of my favorite athletes from last year, just because, uh, you had this like really cool, no, I mean, I know I'm, I'm embarrassing you here, but, uh, this really cool progression in your form. Um, you know, and it was like this, this pretty, pretty monumental leap and you had so many of your, I mean, your, your, your best ever finishes. I mean, even if you look back to IBU cup performances and so it was like this really amazing, uh, season that you had um and did you know going into the season like did you know all right i am ready like i can feel this big leap coming or was that just like uh it, you just entered into the season and took off i had no idea <laughs> it was i remember i called with my coach when we had arrived in um yeah, before the first World Cup in Östersund, and I was like, shit, I feel so bad now. Uh, <laughs> I'm not ready because, uh, yeah, we had tried to um, to be in shape, to have a peak at the beginning so that I could qualify for the Olympics. And, and I was really, oh, I don't know. But uh, two days later, I think, was the first race, and it just... Uh, yeah changed so quickly or it means that our plan really worked uh, but i knew i had i had trained well or i hadn't had any trouble with sickness and so on but i had uh, i had no idea that it would be this good because uh, yeah i have to admit in the start when i entered the world cup uh, uh, for Belgium, I was hoping that I could have better results or I, I thought I would be closer to the top. And then I had some downs to every time you uh, finish a race and you're so far behind. Uh, it's not, not mm -hmm. so fun because you train so much for it. And uh, so then I hadn't... Uh, I started the season with not so big hopes. I just wanted to see what happened. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> This is cool. <laughs> no kidding. Because, I mean, um, 
So there's a, a website that I, I don't know if you're familiar with, but but Arjun and I use it a lot and we talk about it a lot called realbiathlon.com. And they've got a, a graph here and you can look at what your, uh, your sort of like your, your ski performance for, you know, and it shows every, every race and you have a, a trend line here. And, uh, and, and it is like just a, a steady progression upward. There's this big, you know, this huge progression upward from, uh, from year over year. Um, what did you do different? What was the, the secret to the success? I know you said you weren't feeling great, but clearly there was something you changed in, in training or, or maybe your body was just ready for it. Yeah, I think, uh, a big step that, uh, I wasn't so much sick, uh, mm-hmm. cause I had some, yeah, some rounds with that. I think it was the first year when I entered the world cup, I was, uh, I had too much sickness and I know I am a uh, a person that uh, <laughs> I don't react well to being sick, then I need mm-hmm. at least a month to, to build up again. And uh, uh, so I think that was a big step. And then with that, you're able to train more and uh, your body, body gets more <laughs> trained or fit. And um, and also last year we had, uh, had focused on having enough um, hard sessions to... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, for the, to get a higher VO2 max and also the the threshold uh, more uh, that kind of say longer session, but in uh, almost in race speed. So when I, I think when I started the season, the speed was what I did on the intervals. I was used mm-hmm. to to having that speed and. Uh, yeah, but no one could tell uh, on the trainings before the season that I was going to be this good because I was still in the group with the girls and we were pushing uh-huh. each other. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> did I mean, yeah, it was uh, it was phenomenal. And then and then what is your secret to your shooting? Because you've you've been one of the best shooters out there. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, your they you know, you look at you like your your prone shooting is is almost like 100 percent. So what is your secret? Have you always been a good shooter or? Um, you know, was there something that you found along the way? Uh, yeah, I always been quite of a good shooter, if I have to say. So, uh, I think, um, I've been very good at keeping my head calm, because, uh, mm. um, yeah, when I was young and I always liked, uh, liked the shooting part, um, and then I also am very interested and curious in training or shooting training, uh, how to develop and how to push it. And uh, I had some years where I was, uh, yeah, I had to build my body up again after sickness. So then I could, I spend a lot of time at the shooting range and mm. uh, and made a very good uh, base for the, the rest uh, for, yeah, that's maybe six years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still benefit from that. And I know like I found my, uh, my spots where I know I need to push if I have a bad day or uh, how to get in the in the right zone. I know what to do. It's not always I can do it, but maybe I can easier uh, find it back, uh, kind of. But I, yeah, I don't know <laughs> why I'm such a good shooter. Maybe it's because I like to go in the details and. Uh, and I'm curious about it, so so then maybe I have a bigger or knowledge about my own shooting, or always curious to to develop even in the. Yeah, I'm very 
uh, what can I say? I'm in the season. I'm also. I don't always. Now it's bad English here. But when I in the competition season, I also um, try to train shooting and not always just be in the race mode and always try to mm-hmm. develop because. Uh, yeah, it's easy when you're just doing competition after competition to just do the same. But sometimes I try to break it up and uh, go a little bit back to basic or do some exercises or stuff like that. That I'm always um, sharp in my head. Because mm. <laughs> um, do you um, like do you know where you sit shooting time wise at all? I haven't looked it up to be honest, but. Yeah, it's not uh, it's not great <laughs> in prone. It's uh, it's too slow. Mm. Uh, standing, I'm f- more. Um, I feel more secure if I try to shoot fast, and uh, I know I'm able to to shoot well. Then, but I have uh, the last years. I really worked on my prone positions, position, position, and uh, with that, um, I haven't spent so much time on shooting too fast. Because I want to to know that I have a good position and work mm-hmm. on those details, and then I uh, I hope that I can push the speed year by year. And uh, so I tried this year to shoot um, with uh, one breath less uh, okay. during the the series. So we'll see if I can do it in competition. But um, so I think yeah, I'm in the maybe middle or in the um, the slowest range for the shooting maybe but or in the middle hmm. you're in the middle yeah you're you're, you're actually in the uh, just uh in the the upper side of the middle you're actually you're you're a little bit faster than you think you are okay yeah because i have yeah sometimes when i shoot with other people i have the feeling that they are so much faster but maybe then i always shoot with the fast ones <laughs> and and from you what uh, you said is standing your favorite of the two yeah, now it is. It uh, <laughs> used to be brown, but now I like the like it's the last uh, final shooting and the duels and uh, yeah, that's uh, a cool part I think. <laughs> yeah. And so one thing that um that I learned from my coach, and I have no idea if that applies to to you know your level, it, it's like a thousand times higher, but um to get sort of in the mindset of shooting. And how prone is so different from standing. We've been kind of working on having different songs in our head when we get into the shooting range to get kind of in a different mindset. Is that does that sound familiar to you, or is that something you do? Or um, not particularly songs, but uh, I have like um, one spot where I do change my um, my thinking. Then I start thinking shooting or my um, the one thing when I shoot I have one thing I always try to have focus on that's my my goal and then uh, I have uh, sometimes in my when I enter the the mat then I switch my my mode on so then it's like when I put the magazine in or something that's my Uh signal to yeah but is it different between standing and, and prone for you or is it yeah yeah it's different yeah mm. and i try to to change it during the during trainings too and but normally in the competition season it's uh yeah a lot the same word <laughs> okay 
So RJ, I know we're interviewing Lossy right now, but uh, what do you mind sharing what your songs are for for Prone and Stanley? Oh, I haven't figured that out yet, but but it oh. just um, <laughs> it just what I struggled with, and again, I only started a year ago, um, so we're talking completely different level here. But I struggled with sometimes having good days with Prone, but then my standing was really bad, or the other way around, and and I never thought of it up to that point where. Uh, so my coach started talking about with a different song, you get a different mindset, really calm or kind of upbeat. Um, so I've just been kind of playing with that and, and it's not even like a full song or anything. It's just kind of different things in your mind to either make you really calm or kind of more focused in an upbeat kind of way. Um, I'm probably not explaining it very well, but. Um, it, it, mm -hmm. it just feels like standing or prone shooting requires you to be in a different type of mindset. Mm, I agree. <laughs> it's just a very, yeah, very, like I've, I've gotten so much more appreciation for what, you know, athletes like lot to do in the shooting range. Cause you know, as a, as a bystander, you're like, yeah, they shoot really well and you, kind of expect if somebody shoots like 90, 95% um, in prone, you think, oh, it probably should be the, around the same in standing, but it's, uh, they're, they're two very different things I've, I've started finding out. So yeah. even more <laughs> impressive to be good at both. Yeah, it's a difficult game, but when you find uh, some good <laughs> points, then it's... Uh... Yeah, it's like you have to find a good key for yourself and then it will be easier uh -huh. for each time. So do you, um, like at the, the World Cup, when you see Doro, for example, do you ever talk about shooting, like how, what her approach or if she has any tips or that kind of thing? Uh, no, I haven't been <laughs> doing that so much because... Uh, almost when i came into the world cup it was almost a covid and mm. uh, oh, so now oh. i'm like looking forward to maybe <laughs> almost call it a fresh start right right because uh, oh. uh, then i felt like yeah i was also a freshman and uh whoa the big stars are here i'm <laughs> i just try to say hello and then it's uh <laughs> if i get a hello back i'm very happy <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it'd be very interesting to um, yeah, to talk with the athletes and uh, hear about their thoughts on how they work. Yeah, I, yeah. Think, uh, I think there's a lot of different uh, strategies out there. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, it's it's a. Uh, I find it more and more fascinating the more I learn about it. <laughs> <It's>, uh... <laughs> well, that's part of why we're doing this, right? Is to to talk to more people and figure out. Uh... Know, Absolutely. Uh, their their mentalities and and how how they got to be so good. <laughs> so um, uh, jumping off of the. Uh...